super, they're super excited to be back in here, I think, running around. And I just want to welcome, we've got, we've got some new faces here. So I just want to welcome all the new faces. And I also want to point out, we've got a new face staying here. She doesn't want me to point her out, but there's kind of some hazards of being a pastor's kid. Uh, but Lily is in sixth grade now. So she's not going to Sunday school. But welcome to everybody. Lily, I'm so glad to see you. You are an important part of this body. Um, and all the rest of you, um, like Sandy said, my name is Matt Toms. I am the interim lead pastor here. Um, and I just want to say again, uh, welcome back, students. We are so pumped for you guys to be here. Um, it is huge for us. Uh, we are a church that has gone through many different changes. We're only five years old, and over the last five years, we have had a very interesting journey. Um, but a core value of ours that has remained constant is that we love college students, and we believe you guys are crucial to our community. And as we've explored in this last season, um, just to see what it means to be this kind of church who loves college students. Uh, we have made it like literally a core value. We have a list of core values. And one of our core values is that we invest in and partner with the next generation. Um, and that is essential to our, our church identity. And I was pretty excited when some of you guys stayed uh, over the summer looking back there you guys and you and you know it was jeffrey it was fun to see you um over the summer it was awesome uh but i was uh and i was really excited when many of our college students joined us um not just in person but over zoom and video calls to work with uh the people in our community to help define uh who we are and help kind of shape our ministries, which has been a work that we've been doing this last year, is kind of defining more deeply who we are and shaping ministries to fit with that. And several of our college students have had um, strong voices in that conversation. It's not just been the community members deciding that. And I'm pretty excited about that over the summer. So thank you guys. Thank you for your contributions to our community. Um, if you're a visitor or just checking out our church, we want to let you guys know uh, you're visiting during an exciting time. Uh, we've been working this past year to articulate who we are and what we want to achieve as, as a church. Uh, like I said, it's been a family process where we've been exploring our history and, and our community here in State College and God's word to give us clarity. Um, and our mission, what we've come up with, is some of this is, is some stuff from our past and some of this is new. But our mission here is to help one another love, help others love and follow Jesus. We just talked about that this morning with a class of new members. That our mission is that we help others love and follow Jesus. We've all, who, all the members here, have received an unbelievable love from God through his son, Jesus Christ who gave his life to save ours and give us meaning, purpose, and hope in our lives. And we exist as a church 
to help others meet Jesus like we have. That's our purpose. That's our reason for being. It's our mission. Is that we want everybody here and everybody outside of here to know Jesus, to receive what we've received, to help others love and follow Jesus. And we've got a, a vision that we've been working on. And if you're new, uh, listen up, because this is what we want to see in this area, what we want um, as we're doing that mission, what we want to achieve spe specifically. And if you're not new, still listen up, because this is a good reminder of, of what our hope is here in this community, is that we want to see Penn State and the surrounding community receive what we are receiving, not just what we've received in the past, but what we're currently receiving as well by hearing the good news of Jesus and his kingdom. We want others to hear that news about the love of God, about the forgiveness of God, about the, the acceptance of God and the goodness of his kingdom. We also want others to observe a loving and diverse family of believers living in submission to King Jesus and being healed and made new by the power of the Holy Spirit. We want State College to see this thing, this gift that we've gotten. And we want them to see it so that they can have it too. And it's a beautiful thing, this family that God has made, this community. And then lastly, we want the people of State College and the surrounding area to experience tangibly the Father's love, grace, and glory through us, a people empowered by the Holy Spirit. Now, I know that's a mouthful, but you can remember it, just that we want others to hear, see, and experience what we've received. And this is a good thing that we've received. And if you're curious about that, please talk to whoever brought you here. Please talk to me. I would love to share with you more about this wonderful gift that we've received. So that's what we're doing. That's why we exist at a church, as a church. That's what we hope to see. But we do lots of things as part of our church. And one of the things we do, and, and almost every church does this, except for the ones who meet on Friday, right, John? Um, but they gather, right? The churches gather. It's as long as there's been churches, as long as there's been Christians, there's been churches gathering together. And what we're going to talk about today is why we gather. What's the point of this, sitting in a pew? Is it just some sort of thing to make Jesus not cry or angry at you? Or is there something more? Is there something deeper to it? And we've been working as part of a team. I've been part of a team. Uh, many of them are here today. Uh, members of our community that have been working through why do we gather? And how can we do that well? How can we do that in a way that honors God and his purposes and, uh, and fulfills this vision and this mission that we've been sent on? Um, but before we answer that question, I want to share a little bit about myself to you guys. So I mentioned my name's Matt Toms. I mentioned that I am the interim pastor here. Um, I've, I'm also, uh, so I'm a pastor here. I'm also husband to Olivia my beautiful wife. It's been, oh gosh, 
gosh, my brain's thinking foggy now because I'm up in front of all you guys. But we've been together for 21 years in like dating, and we've been married for 15 years, right? I got that right, right? Yeah, 15 years. That's my wife. I'm super happy about that. And then I'm also the father of Lily. She's our oldest. Yep, she's awesome. And then Ned and Eleanor, who you've also seen. Um, and, and that's kind of my primary roles in life, to be uh, a husband, a father, and a pastor. But I got to tell you something. I am not enough. I am not enough. As a pastor, I'm not enough to make this church into something that shines the light and the love of Jesus into all your lives. I'm not enough to, to lift you all up, to meet you uh, in your sadness, in your pain. Uh, I'm not enough to teach you all that you need to know. I'm not wise enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not organized enough. I am not enough to do that as a pastor. I'm also not enough as a father. One of the scariest things that I realized when that little girl was a couple weeks old and she was lying in her crib and I was in, in her room at night and I realized that I am not enough for this little girl. I can't protect her from everything the world has to throw at her. I can't teach her everything that she needs to know. And especially very early on, I learned that I could not care for her in every way that I wanted to care for her because I was just the parent with no milk. She didn't want anything to do with me at the beginning. And that was a hard thing for me. It was weird to be a dad and to want to nurture and care for my daughter and realize she just, she just didn't need dad right then. I mean, she needs a dad all the time, but like mom was where it was at. And only mom could do all these things that I just couldn't do. Um, and now we've had two more kids. And I'm even more not enough because the loads triple what it was. Uh, in fact, my family is not even enough for my family. We love each other dearly, and, and I love our family dynamic, but we need more than what we can give to each other. That's something we've discovered. Uh, a hard realization, this is important for some of you guys, maybe who are romantically involved right now to hear from me, uh, that I am not enough for my marriage. Olivia and I have found that I'm not enough for our marriage. We found that we are not enough to make a wonderful marriage. I think we've got a great marriage. I think it's fantastic, but we have found that we just not enough you know we've hurt each other we've put burdens on each other that we ought not to we've let each other down in ways and, and we've needed to go to others 
for help. We've relied on others, the counsel of others. We've gone to, to marriage counseling, and it was amazing. We needed that for our marriage. We were not enough. Our love was not enough, but we needed the help of others. And we've gotten that help all over the place. Some of you in this room have provided that help to us. I am not enough to be the man I want to be. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not disciplined enough. I'm not good looking enough. <laughs> I'm not whatever enough to be the man I want to be. And I want to tell you the truth now, and this is not easy to hear, but guess what? You're not enough either. You're not enough to make this church an awesome place that, that changes the face of State College in the world. You are not enough to fall so deeply in love with somebody that your love just powers through any problem. And you have a perfect relationship. You are not enough to make that happen. And you, if you ever have kids, you will not be enough to have a family. So that's a pretty, pretty big downer. Pretty big bad news. But it's not the only news we have today. Okay? Uh, and hopefully I didn't lose you there. Hopefully you're not checked out. Because I do have some very good news for all of us. Some truth of God's word that we need to hear, especially in this world, in this day and age, that tells you you should be enough, that tells you you can be enough. Jesus tells us something different in 1 Corinthians 12. And I'm just going to read this again. So if we're not enough, then what are we? Well, 1 Corinthians 12 says, For just as the body is one and has many members, He's just talking about your own physical body. Think about your own physical body as many members, which is like many different parts, right? Um, and all the members of the body, though there are many, are one body. You know, you got ten fingers, hopefully, and all those fingers are part of one body. You got a liver and a lung and a brain and a heart, and that's all different, but it's all part of one body. Paul says, so it is with Christ, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. I just want to say, this is really cool. This Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, this is the history of the church that we need to lean into, and one of our values here. Uh, is gospel reconciliation, which we are leaning into this thing. Because the church, historically, the global church, is the most diverse organization that has ever existed on the face of the earth. It started in Palestine in the Middle East, and it's expanded across the world. And even the center of the church, where the most Christians are in the church, it's not America. If you guys think that America is the home of the church, you are so wrong. The home of the church rests down in the global south somewhere. 
That's where the most Christians are. That's where the most stuff going on in the church is. They are the driving force of the church. And I just want to just make that comment because we need to open our eyes a little bit. And when we talk about the big C church, the whole church, we need to know what we're talking about. And it is a beautiful and wonderful thing. Um, And it's part of this huge body. But I think Paul is also talking about, he's talking about that huge body that the church will one day become. But he's also talking about local bodies like ours, local churches. And he says this, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. This is cool, what Paul's saying. He's saying, it doesn't matter if you say, I don't fit in here. It doesn't matter if you believe that. You can't change the reality, which is God made you part of this body. And if you say it, or if somebody else says it, that doesn't change the reality. Just like if the foot had a mouth and it could say, I'm not a hand, so I'm not part of the body. It doesn't make it true. It's still a foot, and it's still a part of the body. And if the ear, this is what else he says in in 16, if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, that's a fun visual image, right? Just a big eye floating around, rolling around, I guess, all over all the grit and dirt and COVID and stuff like that. Um, if the whole body were the eye, where would the sense be the sense of hearing? I mean, the Bible can be funny sometimes. It's okay to chuckle. Um, if the whole body were an ear, another fun visual, where would this be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? be in a bad place if we were all a gallbladder it'd be this weird big wet floppy thing you know that'd be gross don't even know what a gallbladder does i'm sure some one of you guys can tell me later um as it is in verse 20 as it is there are many parts yet one body there are many parts yet one body So this is cool. Jesus is saying that you are a body part. That's awesome. I'm going to pick, I mean, if I can pick, what's my MVP body part? I think I'm going to go with, I could go with gluteus maximus, the biggest muscle in the body. What do you guys, Lily, kind of that, that cracks her up. Uh, So... That maybe that's what I'll go for. Gallbladder. I could have an interesting experience, especially, you know, I like to experience new things, and I don't know what a gallbladder does, so I could be that part. No, I mean, I'm joking around, but, but we are a body part. That's who we are, which is amazing, and this is a really cool thing, because it's not just saying we are a body part, but it's saying we are a body part of Jesus of Jesus Christ, who is God himself. Okay, that's pretty cool. Okay, 
Paul is saying that you are not an individual alone facing the world. And he is saying you're just a part of a body, right? Individual alone facing the world, special, miraculous, loner, go do it, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That can be a motivating and encouraging message. And it can seem like over here, just a part of the body is like, what's he saying? Is he saying we're worthless? Is he diminishing our value? But then he says, the body you're a part of is the body of Christ, the body of God himself. And that body has done some pretty cool things, if you ask me. This isn't a regional God or God of some specific aspect of humanity Paul's talking about. This is the creator God. The one who, with a word, spoke things into existence. The one who worked out all the things you guys are studying right now. He worked that out. He invented that. And he put order into this world. And these complex equations that you may be learning, he's the one who came up with them. And these complex systems that you guys are learning about, cellular systems and ecological systems, he's the one that came up with that. And Jesus Christ, when he came and lived in a body like ours, do you know what he did with that body? He came as a baby peasant. And because of his 30-some-odd years here on earth, the whole planet is different. So, so just remember, being called a body part, that does not mean you're insignificant. It doesn't mean that you can't do anything. It means you're part of something amazing. You're part of God himself, and he's made you part of himself. Jesus is the head of this body, which is pretty cool. And there's another part of that, which is also pretty awesome, is you're one with Christ. Just as your head cares for your body, and maybe some of you struggle with that, your head caring for your body. There's, there's issues that we have. But just as somebody who, who cares for their body, Jesus cares for you. He cares for you like he cares for himself. That's what it means to be part of the body of God. And, and, and Jesus, this is a metaphor, I understand, but it's also a deep spiritual truth. That Jesus has, when you accept him, he gives you the opportunity to be identified with him as his body. So that the love of the father that's focused on Jesus is also focused on you. Because I love my wife. And it just so happens I love her left hand as well. I love all of her. And just as God loves his son, he loves all of his son. And you have been brought into that deep and wonderful life. 
And finally, what Paul's saying is, you're vital. You're a vital part of the body of God, which I, I don't have time to go into that. Like, let's, that, that'd be crazy. Because he's saying, like, you can't just, an eye can't say, oh, I wish I were an ear. Or an ear can't say, oh, I wish I were an eye. No, the, the ear and the eye have both, they both have vital functions in the body. And you have a vital function in Christ. This means that you are vital. So I think that's really important. As we talk about why we gather, it's very important that we have a good understanding of who God considers or what God considers us to be. We are a body, the body of Christ, here in State College, here at Wellspring, and you are individual parts of that body, essential parts of that body. You fill roles that no one else can fill. And that's how God made you. And that's how he made us. So, if we are body parts, then, then what do we do here when we gather? Bet you never thought you'd hear that sentence. If we're body parts, what do we do when we gather? Uh, sorry, I'm just just thinking about Transformers and like actually Thundercats and how they kind of join together and make the, the super big Thundercat. Um, sorry, it's funny, uh, but we got to move on. Um, okay, so what does it mean? Well, Paul, so he's talking to the Corinthians church. He's telling them, hey guys, you're part of the body of Christ. You're each different. You each have a unique role to play. You're loved by God like his own body. Uh, you're attached to God so close that you're considered his own body. Um, but he's also, Paul is correcting the Corinthian church, which is a super dysfunctional church. And he's saying, like, there's people who are super prideful, and they think they're all that, and that all the church needs is them. And Paul's like, no, 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 no. No, no, no. That's not true. You're, you're part of the body. You are important, but you're not everything. And then there's people who are, like, making church all about themselves kind of like a time for them to be peacocks and preen and, and indulge themselves in their own glory and later on paul tells them what the point of gathering is what the point of the body getting together is and if you turn in your bibles to just one page you might not even need to turn in your bibles to uh, Corinthians 14, 26, Paul says this. And, and, and this is repeated throughout the Bible, but this is just um, what Paul says here in this letter to the Corinthians. And he talks about how we should meet and gather together and what that should look like. And then he says this kind of summary statement. He says, what then, brothers, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. We don't have time to get into all those things, but granted, uh, it's just different things, different parts of the service, different important things. But what he says is, with everything you bring, he says, let all things be done for building up. Let all things be done for building up. Another 
uh, passage, it says, when you gather, you know, do what it is that builds one another up. You sing songs together. You look at the scripture. You encourage. You exhort one another. The reason we gather, it's not complicated. It's that we build one another up. That's part of the work of the body. We build one another up. Our, our vision team, the team that we've been uh, meeting every other week and we've been talking about this question, we've been talking about uh, how do we achieve our vision through the, um, the Sunday gathering? How does it fit in our mission and our vision and with our values and our identity? And one of the very first things we ask is why do we gather? And, and we searched the scriptures and we talked about them. And basically we came up with what Paul says here. But all things be done for building up. And what we've said is the purpose of our Sunday gathering was to provide the whole Wellspring family a chance to build each other up into unity with, e with each other in order that we may all have a closer relationship with the triune God that enables us to be on mission in our everyday lives. So we see us, our Sunday gathering as a time to build each other up closer together because we're a body and it's bad when body parts are far apart, right? That's not a good thing. And then um, into closer relationship with the triune God who is our head, it's another important thing. It's good for the body to be close. Emma's nodding with me here. Bodies need to be close to their heads. That's super important. That enables us to be on mission in our everyday lives. That's why we gather. As we gather to build one another up. We gather to build one another up. And because we are the body, because we're all different parts, it's important that we come together and all those parts are working together to build one another up. You know, it's not about me and my message on Sunday. It's not about Alana and the team getting here and pulling off like some beautiful music. You know, they've really done some fantastic things with, with violins and, and French horns and just like a whole get up. And it's been amazing. But it can't just be about that. We need the body to come together and be the body. You guys need to come here and to live in that amazing way that God made you because you know what? We need you. We need you to, you know, so we need somebody who will be a friendly face and ask us a question that nobody else would question. You know, nobody else would ask. We need somebody to give a pat in the back, maybe a gentle touch that nobody else would give. We need people to share on, on, on family churches. We share 
the testimonies of what God has done. We need to hear from you about what God has been doing in your life. We need you to speak up sometimes, some of you, to speak up when, when you know, Karen invites us to praise our God. We need to hear that. We need to hear what you have to say because we are a body. And if our body doesn't gather, if members of our body are missing, it's like if we try to lift something up and our hands are ready and our elbows are ready, but our shoulders didn't show up. It's going to be a gruesome picture. That's what it would be like if it were just me up here trying to teach you and being, you know, I'm, I'm not that good of a teacher, you guys. You guys all know this. I am not that good of a teacher to build you up all by myself. I need you. We need people to come with a heart of prayer to lift up every person who's going to come here. That's why we gather. Because we need building up, too. I don't know if you've noticed, but life is kind of hard. Right? The world out there is not a place you go out to and you're just, oh, this is relaxing. I love it. How many of you guys feel like, oh, my syllabuses this week that I got, that's really going to make me, at the end of the semester, I'm going to feel like totally refreshed. Anybody feel like that? How about this? Anybody starting to worry about the work that you've signed yourself up for? Maybe a little bit. Yeah? All right. Okay, the, for those of you who work with coworkers, does anybody have a person that just stresses them the heck out? in their office, or a neighbor that just like, you just like, you know, when they're walking down the street, you hide, you pull back from the windows, you know, because you're just like, I don't know what to do with this person. Anybody go on the news and start to feel like the acid reflux boiling up? Guys, this is a hard world to live in. And when we go out, we are with people who don't know the truths that we don't know. And they don't know the one who died for us. And they keep telling us things that distract us. They keep offering us these beautiful temptations that will kill us, that will break us down, that will tear us apart. And when we come together, we need, it's like your body needs sleep, guys. It needs rest to rejuvenate. That's kind of like this. I mean, I don't want to put you all to sleep here. I mean, if you need to sleep, sleep, you know. We love you. Maybe you need that. And to sleep in the presence of God's people, you know, falling asleep, worshiping him, there's worse ways to fall asleep. So that's cool. All right. But I need you. Sunday is not all about the message. It's not all about the praise worship. It's about the body coming together 
and building each other up. You know, the world is telling us all sorts of things. Lily, I said I would call on you when you're ready. It's telling us all sorts of lies that will destroy us. Are you ready? Here's a lie, maybe. Uh, If you put your mind to it, can you do anything? No. Yeah, dad tells her that's not true. She gets out a lot at school. If you put your mind to it, if you really try, you can do anything. It's just not true, right? If you wanted to be a pineapple, Lily, could you do it? But what if you really put your mind to it? All right, if I wanted to be an editor of textbooks, could I do it? The answer is no, I couldn't do it. Okay, maybe I could, do it, I could be an editor of textbooks, but I could not be a good editor of textbooks. All right, my attention span is too short. I'm not smart enough. It's just not how I'm wired to be. I would fail at that and no matter how hard I try. And I'm not trying to be a downer. Uh, This is just a lie that the world has told you. And these lies, they sound very tempting, but what they do is they make you lonely. And they set you up. And they tell you, you can be all you need you to be. You can be all you need. It's in yourself. And our creator has said, no, you need me. And with me, you can do things that change the world. You need the people, the family that I've made, that I've called around you. And with them, you can be built up and you can do amazing things. You know, we hear this, this, uh, there's this kind of, you know, radical personal autonomy going around that, And it's a very American thing or a Western thing that you are sufficient in and of yourself and that your ultimate goal is yourself. All right, we hear it, things like my body, my choice. What's that been heard for? It's been heard for recently abortion, right? But it's also been heard for people with vaccines, right? And and it's... It's just been heard a lot of different things, a lot of different ways. You know, when people are doing drugs or alcohol, it's my body, my choice. Uh, I read an article just recently on Yahoo about this, this lady just describing this affair. And she says things like, my marriage is perfect, I'm just greedy. And she says it like, eh, you know, that's okay. And some of the things she says are just It's just insane. Um, But it's built on this idea. That if she focuses simply on herself. Let me say this. Let me say this this other way. Well, let me just share some of the things she says. And then I want to talk about it really quick. So she's having the affair with this guy, he's called Sam, and she says, I told myself it was going to be the last time. I won't do it again. I feel guilty for what I'm doing to my husband. So she says there, she knows something's wrong, 
But then she says, and yet I love Sam so much, I don't want to let him go again. To comfort myself, I remind myself that my affair hasn't affected my relationship with my husband. She says that. My affair hasn't... (laughs) hasn't affected my relationship with my husband. Our intimacy and relationship remain as strong as ever. My priority will always be my husband. And Sam knows this, but do you know who doesn't know that between Sam and her husband, that her priority is always going to be her husband? Her husband doesn't know it because he doesn't know about Sam. She's kind of, she's, she's living this life and she's telling herself, well, If you focus, if you narrow your focus enough and your bubble of your view of the world contains just you, you can justify just about anything. If you narrow your focus enough and your morality of the world is just about you, you can justify anything. So when she says, my intimacy with my husband hasn't changed. It's a lie she's telling to herself, but she's also just thinking about her experience of her intimacy with her husband. She obviously hasn't had the conversation, hey, honey, have you noticed in the last few weeks if intimacy's been different? Because let me tell you, I've been being with this other person that you don't know about and I've been hiding it from you. There's this idea, you know, when my daughter was little, here's one other area, alcohol consumption, right? It's no big deal. What I put into my body, it doesn't matter. When my daughter was little, we rushed her to the emergency room because she was having acute chest pain. And do you know what day it was? It was State Patty's Day in college. Uh, downtown, all, all over town, right? And do you know what we found when we got to the emergency room? We found that almost every bed in the emergency room was filled up with somebody with alcohol poisoning. And my daughter got the last bed in the emergency room. But these people, you've been told, oh, it's your body, it's your choice, and that is a lie. What you do affects the world around you. And we're learning this with these things like systemic racism. All right? It doesn't matter if you're like, oh, I feel like I don't hate black people. But you live your life in a way where you're not overtly doing anything but you're also supporting systems that are really terrorizing and hurting a bunch of people. We've learned it when we've learned about sweatshops. Your your economic choices make a difference, right? What you buy and how you buy it makes a difference on the other side of the world. And not just on the other side of the world, but on the future world, right? Our consumerism is killing this planet that God's given us. And it's all driven by this, oh, you know, as long as I focus on myself and my own needs and I'm not hurting other people overtly, that's my morality. I've got to wrap it up here. 
The Bible gives us a different message. We hear those messages and they destroy us and they destroy the world around us. That you are not the end. That it's not all about you achieving your own satisfaction because that's a weight, guys, that's too much for you to bear. It's hard. Jesus offers love and satisfaction from himself and from his people. And that's what we come here to do. We need each other. That's why we gathered. We gather because we experience the love of God as it was meant to be experienced when we come together. We hear with our ears not just an idea in our brains, but we hear with our ears when somebody says, Jesus loves you. We need to hear that. That's how the love of God was meant to be experienced. We feel his love through each other, through a warm hug, through a concerned look. We need you to give those things. When we gather, we also practice and learn about the core of our faith. There's some things you just can't do by yourself. Love is one of those. You need a subject and an object. You need a giver and a receiver. You don't understand love when your world consists of yourself. But when you're part of a community... You know what it is to give love. And then you know what it is to receive love. Genuine love. And forgiveness. This is the core of our faith. When we come together and we live as a community together, we're going to rub and we're going to upset each other. And you know what the most wonderful thing in the world is? To know that you've done wrong and for somebody to love you anyway. That's what we offer here. That's what we should be about. We should say, yes, that was wrong. Yes, that hurt. And yes, I love you and I won't stop loving you because the love of God is like that for me. That's what the body does. That's what we're all about. And if we don't gather, we don't have opportunities to practice that, to do these things that are at the very center of our faith. And when we do this, we prepare ourselves for fulfilling this vision that we have. That the people of State College would see a love that's different than the love the world offers. A love that sacrifices like our Savior sacrificed. We practice that with each other. And then we go out and we show it to the world. And we live in front of the world with each other. Showing them what forgiveness looks like. Showing them that it's possible to be wrong. To, be, to do something evil. And to be loved and set free from that thing. That's why we gather. It's not about a sermon. 
It's not about a song. Those things are important, and they're part of learning about this stuff, and they're part of hearing God's love and speaking his God, God's love, but we, we need each other. I need you desperately, and I need every one of you because God made you in a special and unique way that not only I need, but the rest of this body needs. And that's why we gather. Let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for the gifts that you give to us. We ask, Lord, would you shine through us? Lord, we ask, would our Sundays become more and more times where we get to be built up? Where the, the battering and the bruising that we experience the, in the week and the lies we get told are met with love and compassion and healing and truth. Lord, and would we all take on that responsibility of building one another up? And would we know that no one else can do what we can do? Would we know, would each person here know that they have been specially made by you? To show the world a love unlike they've never known. Lord, and would, we, would that love thrive in this community so that when we go out, we can show it, we can point to it, we can say, here's that love. Look at how it works in our church. We want you to be part of this. Will you be loved with us? Will you accept this love that's offered you freely? We ask this in your name, Jesus.